Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody today? Good? All right, so you guys sound like a lively crowd. First service was pretty lively, guys, so I hope you beat them today. And first service usually isn't that lively, all right? But they were today, and so I appreciate that very much. Before I start today, um, just know uh, that uh, our VBS Vacation Bible School start is going to be happening this week. And what that means is that we pretty much shut everything down for the sake of them utilizing the entire campus, and we're okay with that because we love our children. Amen to that one? So if you're in the, in the Life of Nehemiah Women on Mondays, I teach that one, and Life of Nehemiah Men on Tuesday, I teach that one, uh, that's not meeting this week. It'll happen again next week, uh, and that'll be the sixth session, final session of, uh, sixth one of this session, and then we'll stop for a couple months and pick it up again. Um, but, so that's what you just need to know right there. Let's see, um, yeah, okay. Um, today we're going to continue in our series on better decisions, fewer regrets. How many want to make better decisions? Anybody say amen to that one? Okay, good. And I'd like to have you guys repeat this phrase. This is a different one this week. I want you to say, I want everybody, okay? Can everybody join with me in this one? Is that okay? Repeat after me. Here we go. We all know know. where we want to get to in life. We We even know know. what where looks like. like. But do we have a wise plan plan? to to get to where? And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's go have lunch now. That's enough for today. (laughs) You see, we want to get to where? Everybody. Now, I don't know if you saw this great story. Thank God no one got hurt. Did you guys see the the two Utah sisters, age nine and four? Did anybody see that story? That they stole their parents' car because they wanted to go on a vacation. They wanted to go to the beach in California. They live in Utah, by the way. They stole the car and they took off at 5 o'clock in the morning from Utah, and they drove, they made it 10 miles. She's 9. Sideswiped a car, then hit a semi, but they were okay because they both had their seatbelts on, okay? So they knew that much. Let me tell you something about that story. Thank God nobody's hurt. But that 9-year-old, she really knew where she wanted to get to, amen? And she had a plan on how to get there. You know, there's so many people don't have a plan on where to get to in life. They don't even know where they want to get in life. And we're going to talk about where today. Now, I'm going to lead off with the illustration, real life, that I shared I, for once for sure. Maybe I've shared it twice. I will share this probably every year, if not about every 18 months, because as I age, I feel a strong push and responsibility especially to help the younger generation make wise decisions in their life. Amen? Amen. Now, what I'm going to share, 5% of you, 10% of you, doesn't even apply to you because you're so entrepreneurial. You got so much going on. You know how to make a lot of money. You're just good at all that kind of stuff. But the other 90 to 95% of us, listen. Okay. Now, My wife and I, we had plans on where we wanted to get to in life. It was just that simple. And we stick to the plans. We decided that we didn't want to 
spend 30 years paying off a mortgage on our house. Some of you heard the story before. And so we embarked on the plan. Now, we moved, we sold our home that was right here on Auburndale Avenue. We lived there 12 years. We moved in 99 because my wife wanted a bigger home to entertain and it was before everything ballooned up in astronomical crazy prices. And I said, well, you know, she has so supported me through the planting of the church, all the hard years, all the nights I'm gone, all the time. If that's what my wife wants, that's what my wife gets. Now, it wasn't easy because in 12 years there, we had followed a plan. And we had now only owed nine years or $61,000 on that house. How many of you know that's really close to getting to the end, right? But she said, I want a bigger home. And I go, mm, okay. So we sold it. And we moved to another home. And some of you helped me gut that house because it was a nightmare of a house. Got it for a low price before everything went up. Bought it, gutted it, and had to rebuild everything from the inside. Did a lot of the work myself. I was in my early 40s. It was difficult. Four and a half months of rebuilding that thing. Now, when we got there, there was no way I was going to be paying a payment into my 70s. That's not going to happen with Jimmy, okay? So we had a plan to get to where? To pay this thing off. And we financed down, and then we financed down, but every month we added $200 toward the mortgage payment. Every month. Never failed. And in 2017, January, January, February, we made our last payment, and we paid that house off. And we're free and clear. Now, my wife and I now, we followed the plan. We have lived 10-10-80, 10% to God, 10% in savings, and 80% left over is what we live on. You say, I can't live on 80%. No, you choose not to live on 80%. You choose to overspend and overdo because you've got to have what somebody else has. We decided, I don't need to live like you. I don't need to have what you have. In fact, we kept our cars for a long, long time. Even now, we keep them for 10 years. But my last truck, I drove that thing for 15 years. When I traded it in, I got out of there as fast as I could so they wouldn't call me back and say, Get, hey, come take this thing back. But we do that. That's what we do. That's, we, we don't blow our money. And then when we paid off the house... We've been living on, we've been running not 10, 10, 80, we've gone 10, 20, 70, if not more. 10% to God, right off the top. Don't even hesitate. Been doing that all my 42 years of faith. And then 20% putting it away. And then 70% living off that because I don't have kids at home. I'm free, thank God Almighty. And no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so you have less bills, right? Now, let me, let, me, let me talk about this. Once we paid it off, we didn't sit there and say, well, let's just spend it all now. We kept following a plan. We knew where we wanted to get to. Listen, young people, listen. Keep listening to me. Then from there, we, we, we had already been, I should say, putting money into retirement accounts, putting into retirement accounts because Jimmy is not going to be the senior pastor forever, right? Nobody's forever. We're all temps, correct? You leave your job, you were thought you thought you're so indispensable, they're gonna get somebody right, and then they don't even remember next week that you were there, okay? Somebody else just stepped right in. It's just the way it's gonna be. 
Now, I'm never going to leave here. I'll be teaching classes, doing whatever. I won't always be the senior pastor, but you're going to need a younger guy at some point with a lot more energy than I'm going to have at age 70. Amen? And I'm only like 35 right now, but, you know, <laughs> no, I'm 65. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm a young 65, though, okay? But anyway... But it's going to happen. And so we've set in motion, set in motion, very disciplined, very disciplined in retirement accounts because I'm just not going to live on this Social Security thing. Not going to do it. So we've been very, very disciplined in those things. Now let me tell you, Jimmy and Olivia, when we planted the church, we couldn't put anything in retirement accounts from about age 35 to age 50 because I just wasn't making enough because it was a struggle to get there in this place building it from nothing, building it from out of your house. Those of you who have started small businesses or business, you know what that feels like, right? You know the struggle. It's a very difficult struggle. But at age 50, we started to put money into retirement, put money into Roth IRA, Roth IRA, Roth IRAs, Roth IRAs. Started doing that because I like Roth IRAs because when I take it out, they don't tax me on the money. It's taxed on the front end, not the back end. Any amens on that? I like Roth IRAs, my friends. And my wife's got one. I got one. We put in the max every year, every year. Discipline, discipline, discipline. And now I know I'm on course. I will hit my retirement amount of money I want to have when that day comes, when I've got to step sideways or whatever, and I don't have to worry about, you know, going and moving to some corner of the world I don't want to be in away from my grandkids because I can't survive here. Look, you pay things off, you live right, you make right decisions, you will get to where you want to be, and you don't have to live like everybody else. During the time, 2000 to 2008, when everybody's taking money out of the house, and everybody's buying the trucks, and buying this, and my wife and I are going, how's everyone affording this, you know? We didn't do it. We didn't do it. And now we're sitting pretty, very pretty. And of some of people I know, they, they had to start all over again. Young person, listen to me. You want to be wise. You want to make the right decisions. You want to get to where you want to be when you're older. And I always tell this to young people. Church, you know this. I say this all the time. I was 21 years old, and then I blinked. And now I'm 65. And you may think, oh, I'm 27 years old. It's a long wait. It goes so fast. You don't know how fast it goes. You will... I can't even remember my 30s. It's just a blur. It goes by so fast. So you want to get to where... And we're going to talk about getting to where today. Look, if you're not... If you aim at nothing, what are you going to hit every time? Nothing. Nothing. You got to know where you want to go. And you got to have a plan on how to get there. And you got to be very wise. You got to be very disciplined. You can't go with the programs. You can't go with the culture. You can't go with any of it. You go with the wisdom of the Word of God. Amen? Okay, here we go. Let's stop right there. Key verse. Then we'll get back into three great things that the Apostle Paul is going to share with us. Here's our key verse for the series. I want everyone to read it with me. I, I have only half hearing in this here, so this side better be louder, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. The. Now, we know, every week I tell you, prudent means sensible, means shrewd in a very good way. The prudent person, they look down the road. They can see, is this going to be a right decision, wrong decision, wise decision, bad decision? And they see this is not going to be a good decision down the road if I make it now. 
and they hide themselves. They pull away. I'm not going down that road. Now, we want to make as many, or, or, or I should limit the amount of bad decisions we make as possible, correct? Because every one of us who have lived, every one of us can share our own horror story of a bad decision we made. Any amens? We all know that. We all know what it feels like. So we want to live it. We want to look down the road. Is this a wise decision or not? Also, it says that this, the naive, they just go forward and they're punished for it. You know what naive means? It means seducible. It means they're so foolish they can be talked into anything. And whatever, okay, I'll just do that. And they go down the road and they're punished for it. And they pay the price for it. Uh, that's what they do. So we want to be wise. Where do you want to get to in life? Because it goes so fast. Here's our tagline. All together, one, two, three. Today's you better believe that is so true. So, if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 5. You're watching me at home, open up your Bible. Your Bible is so important on your app, whatever you have, what kind of Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible, my friends. You're a Christian. This is your life manual right here. Now, here we go. Three things, Ephesians 5. Number one, and that's this. I must look down the road of my decisions. Jim, you just said that. And I said it again, didn't I? Because people don't look down the road. Now watch verse 15. Let me read it to you. No, therefore... No, no, let's read it all together. One, two, three. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as... Why? I love this. Now, he says, be careful. You know what the word careful means? To see. To discern. Take heed. In other words, Jim, look down the road of decision. The wise person does that. The fool doesn't. I'm going to give you two applications from this point that are very important. And you know when I move my chair sideways. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. I don't understand a certain percentage of Christians and I'll be, I'm old, I don't care anymore. What are we, just stupid or what are we? I don't get it. I was a youth pastor, a pastor to students back from 85 to nine, late 1990. I had this happen multiple times where a parent would call me. Pastor Jim, you need to talk to my kid. He doesn't, he, he's going down the wrong road, doesn't want God. You, can you talk to him? Can you, can you? And I'm thinking, how, he's 14, 15. She's 14, 15. I'm thinking, what can I do? I said, sure, I'll talk to him. The first couple times that happened to me, I was young in ministry, so I just went with it. By about the third time it happened to me, I thought, they're trying to make me responsible for straightening their kid out. And so I finally started asking this question. Do you go to church? And I knew they didn't. Uh, I, go, I go, what makes you think I can talk them into going to church if you don't go? What makes you think I can talk them into loving God if you're not showing that you love God? I don't get it. I don't get you. You sit there and talk a good talk, but you don't put your kids in church? This 
culture is coming at your kids a thousand miles an hour from a million different directions incorrectly. Any amens? They're coming at them from school stuff to social media to friends. It's insane out there. And I want to talk about this in like two or three weeks. It's insane. It's crazy. And we don't put them in church. Your kid, my kids were in church. I'm not kidding. From the first week of their life, they were in church. They've always been. And my kids, they turned out, they served God, they love God. Yeah, you know they're dysfunctional like their daddy. We got that, okay? <laughs> but you know, in all their dysfunction, they're still serving God. And I think that's pretty good. Wait. That's pretty good for pastor's kids, huh? Because pastor's kids are the worst. Because we're pounding Jesus in those kids all the time. Now, here's the thing. Your kid, at the moment in time when they're old enough to make a decision for Christ, if you haven't had them in church regularly around other church people, like-minded people of faith, learning about Jesus, learning about Noah, Elijah, Moses, Elisha, Paul, Peter, and everything in there in between... If you don't have that in them, by the time they get to the age of accountability, they're not going to make a decision for Christ. Does your kid's eternity matter? Does it matter? No, I'm talking to them on TV. I, I know yours too. Okay, you're here, all right? Your kids are over there. I get it, okay? Do they matter? You got one shot. You got one shot. What's the most important thing? Their spiritual eternity. 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 That never ends. Get your kids in church. Get them in fellowship. Don't make excuses. Get them in there. You're not looking down the road. Get them in there. Now, that's my first application. You want some more? I got a little more on this point. Now, back in the 90s, this was not so heavy, so I'll move back, okay. There was a book that came out, and uh, I really liked it. Some of you probably read it. And that book was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody ever read that? I read it. It was a really good book. It's still a great book to read, Stephen Covey. Um, one of the things he says in the book is this. He says... Um, begin with the end in mind what does he mean he says well he uses this illustration he says pretend we're at your funeral so it'll be my funeral and by the way when you come to my funeral and say well Jim passed he's, he's dead I'm not dead I just moved on okay so don't sit there and say oh Jim's Jim dead no he's not I'm in Jesus I'm with Jesus I'm not I just left this body okay okay good I'm going to live forever. Everybody is. Depends on your decision for Christ. You can live in, with Jesus or you can live in hell. It's one of the two. Oh, Jimmy shouldn't be so blunt. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus was more blunt than that. The problem with the Christian church is you need to be more straightforward at times in love, but you need to be honest. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, seven habits of highly effective people. He says, pretend it's your funeral and people are going up there to talk and share things about you. What do you want them to say about you? Because whatever you want them to say about you, 
is what you should be living right now. That brings the question. What do you want your family to look like when you're older? What do you want your marriage to be? We're empty nesters now. It could easily be just Olivia and I staring at each other like, But it's not. 40 years in September, we still giggle and laugh and everything. I can't stand it when I go to a restaurant and I see that 70-year-old couple, both with white hair, and they're looking everywhere but at each other. Have you ever seen that couple? Is that pathetic or what? It's like, what happened? What happened? I want to go shake them. But I might rattle their bones and break them and stuff. So. And then get arrested. But what do you want your marriage to look like? You've got to begin with the end of my... How about your finances? What do you want to be? Where do you want to be? I'm at the place where I can be as generous as I want to be. You know how much fun it is to be generous? It's fantastic. If I hear of a need, I can help that person. It's great. I love that ability. Some of you, how about your health? How about you? Are you making right decisions in your life to stay healthy as, much, as healthy as you can as you get older? You got to be with the end in mind. You cannot keep eating that certain thing every day, just, it's okay, I'll be okay. Really? No. What? You got to watch. What do you want to look like? You got to look down the road. You got to look down the road. All right? You got the first one down now? Okay, good. Second thing is this I must invest my time wisely. So I now, not only do I look down the road, Paul says, I got to invest my time wisely. Look at verse 16. Let's read it all together. Here we go. Making the most of your, say time. time. Say time. time. So making the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, the word time, fantastic Greek word Paul uses. It literally is the idea of a specific amount of time, and that's it. Every one of us has a specific amount of time in this life, on earth, and that's it, right? I don't know how long that is. I don't know if mine ends tonight. I don't know. No one knows. Now, as a follower of Christ, God, this who I serve, the only God, the only true living God, He is outside what's called the time continuum. We live inside the time continuum. Space, time, matter. God created it. But God is eternal. He doesn't live within the parameters of time. He's outside of it. One day, when I pass as a follower of Christ, I go outside the time continuum, and I live in eternity. But in this time frame of time, I have a specific amount of time, and that's it. And just that's it. So what does this mean? What's Paul trying to tell us? Gosh, how many of us in so many ways think well I wish I could go back and change that the best illustration I know how to sh relate this to and I've used it before I'll use it again I'll use it tomorrow whenever and I haven't seen many movies in the last year and a half because of the way things were so I've been very depressed no I'm just joking <laughs> but the Shawshank Redemption how many have ever seen the Shawshank Redemption how many of you like me it doesn't matter where you turn that movie on it's worth watching it's just the best. It's great. And that scene where Andy Dufresne is already gone, and I won't tell you how in case you might want to see it, some of you. And Morgan Freeman goes up for parole the second time. It's been 20 years since the first time. And he's like, he's had it with these parole people. And, you know, rightly so. He knows they don't really care about him. 
and he sits there and they, the, it comes up and he says do you want to know if I'm sorry for what I did because he murdered somebody when he was like 17 in the movie they go well are you sorry and he says not a day goes by but I don't regret what I did I want to go back and I want to talk to myself I want to share with myself what it's all about I want to talk some sense into me but I can't and he says and all that's left is this old man and I got to live with that what's he saying he said I wish I could go back I made stupid decisions and because of stupid decisions I've wasted 40 years of my life we only have so much time. And then it ends. And you got to make wise decisions. Now, before you feel so depressed over what I just said, <laughs> let me flip the coin. Let me go back to the verse, and it says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We, we, we define time, but the first words are making the most of. Those words literally mean redeem. Redeem the time. Redeem is the idea of purchasing something back that was stolen from you. We know it's used in the case of Jesus and what he's done on the cross, shed blood, resurrection. Those who put faith in him, he purchased us out of the slave market of sin and Satan and set us free forever. Amen? Paul takes the word here and says, redeem the time. Buy back what has been stolen from you. In other words, he's saying, Make the most of your time. Quit wasting your time. Find out where you're wasting time and quit wasting your time. Now, <clears throat> I, wanna, I need to say this. Here's where I'm going to flip it. And my, there might be people here at home, you're like, um, I've, I've made so many bad decisions. How can my life flip over and flip around? You underestimate God. You underestimate God and what God can do. Because I've seen God do it over and over again. I'm going to take you to an Old Testament, what they call a minor prophet, and what he says. His name is Joel. And watch what he says. Watch what he writes. He's speaking for God about Israel who sinned and God sent the swarms upon them because they didn't want God. They were in idol worship. And then they repent and they turn and they flip it around, start serving God, start making the right decisions with God. Now watch what he writes. In Joel 2, verse 25, 26, and 27. Watch. Then I will make up to you for the years. God says, I'll make it up to you. You're repenting. You're changing your ways. You're walking in the right decision. I'll make it up to you. What is he going to make up for the years? That the swarming locusts, that's when there's a swarm coming. It's so thick, and it can be 100 feet deep in those areas, miles long of locusts coming in. And they're agricultural societies. Those things come in, and they devastate crops. So it's a scary thing for these people. Then he adds, the swarming locusts is eaten. The creeping locust, that means a devourer. Then he says, the stripping locust, that means a ravager. And the gnawing locust, locust, that means to devour again. That's a lot, huh? That's like your crop, whatever you have. It's gone. You lost everything. 
my great army which I sent among you. I sent it there because you wouldn't listen, you make bad decisions, and you, you brought it on yourself. Yeah, sin. You don't want to serve me, you want idols? Go ahead. Verse 26, he says, you shall have plenty to eat. He flips it now, because I'm going to make it up to you. You've turned around. You're going the right way. You're following God. You're making right decisions. You shall have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Say shame. shame. I'm going to define it in a second. Thus you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. Say shame. shame. Okay. I love those verses. Because God can take a life and turn it around. And you start making wise decisions, live for God, do what the Word of God says, and God will make up to you everything that you've lost. He can spin it. He can do it. And you'll never experience shame. The word literally means disappointment. Guess what? You can go to your 20, 30, 40 year high school reunion and not worry about what anybody asks you what you did with your life because there's no disappointment and I'm not talking about what you do for a living all honest good moral work is good work but you don't have to be disappointed that you blew everything you say well I messed up this and I messed up for years and I'm still my you don't have to do that because you'll have lived right and there'll be no disappointment you'll never have to be ashamed and you can even throw your testimony in there. You can say, you know, for the first so many years of my life, I lived wrong. And I lost everything, or I lost this, or I'm in, I was in my third marriage, and I came to Christ. And I started following His ways. And He made it up. He made up for everything I lost. Everything that the locust ate. God brought it. And He brought back more. And I have great joy in my life. Guys, what, what am I telling you? Number one, God can turn it around. But you've got to make the most of your time. You can't waste time. You've got to do the right stuff. And don't sit there and say, well, I can just do this and, and God will just bail me out. Jesus is taken up to the pinnacle of the temple. Satan says, jump. Jump, because you know it's written, God's going to save you. And Jesus says, I'll not put the Lord my God to the test. In other words, I will not put myself into a position that requires God's miracles to save me. You make bad decisions? You're a parent, some of you. You don't keep bailing your kid out, do you? They got to stew in it for a while, don't they? Otherwise, what are they going to do? Same thing. And God's even a better parent, more loving parent. He's going to let you stew in it. He's let me stew in it until I learn my lessons. And I start walking right. So never put yourself in a position that requires a miracle to be saved. Oh God, it just has to do it. Really, it has to? No, you live wise. You live smart. You live according to the Word of God. And watch what God does. The third thing is this. Last thing is, I cannot play games with my future. I, I just can't play games with my future. Now, we're going to go, we're going to look at, what, what are we at? Uh, Ephesians 5, 16 and 17. And it says this. 
Read it with me. Making the most of your time. Because the days are, say evil. Say evil again, evil. Okay, because the days are evil. Remember that word there. Now, so then, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Big statement, is it not? How many Christians never find out what God's will is for their life? Oh, man, it's just really frustrating. Now, a couple things playing here. He says, the days are evil. You got to make the most of your time. You got to make wise decisions because the days are evil. One of the great things in life for me is I can record Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and not have to watch commercials. Right? It's it's like, this is fantastic. I don't have to listen to a commercial pushing any propaganda or any immorality at me. I don't have to listen to somebody lecturing me. I can just, and I can go right to Pat Sajak. Right? Look, I'd like to go on Wheel of Fortune, but my wife knows I don't want to get on national TV and humiliate myself. I'd be the person that never guessed one thing. And they'd have to give me the thousand dollars. Oh, well, here you go. I know you're a loser, but see you later. <laughs> so it's like, I'd like to go on, but it's like, I'm the guy, I'll look at it like, I just don't see it. Everybody see, I don't see it. You know, tell me, ask me Bible script. I remember, I can't see that. Now, in our, our culture is so messed up, right? It's so upside down. It's so sideways. It's insanity. It just is. You're going to say, well, no, it's not. What world are you living in? Now, I will also add that you think this is the worst it's ever... No, it isn't. Go live in Paul's day in the Roman Empire. Right? That was bad. That was, like, that was like here now on 320 million steroid pills. And it was way bad. So don't act like this is the worst it's ever... It's not. It's not. But they, they push all these things on us. And one of the things, when it comes to right decisions, you got to be careful. Listen, somebody, listen, somebody, because you spend so much money shopping and buying and you're wasting your money. They always push, push things at you that says, you know, you deserve it. You buy this. And they say, it will satisfy you. And you buy it again. And it satisfies you for about an hour or a week and then you're unhappy again or you're, something's missing inside and then you see the next commercial you deserve it oh if you get this you'll be so happy and you do it and you're happy for a day let me tell you a secret about that there is nothing outside of your body that can give you eternal peace and happiness. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Those are inanimate objects. They cannot give you life. Only Jesus coming to dwell in your heart and your submission to Him and living by His Word and the power of the Spirit as you grow in Him, that's going to give you eternal peace and happiness. Where you can say no to stuff because when they say, this will make you happy. Why would I need that? I'm already happy. I'm already content. I'm already okay. I don't, I don't need to get that. What do I need that for? Be careful. You've got to be real careful. You've got to understand what the will of the Lord is. 
What that means, Paul, I think what Paul's saying is, quit playing games with God. Quit rationalizing bad decisions. You know when he says, don't be foolish? You know what the word foolish means? It means stupid. That's what Paul's saying. He says, don't be stupid. And he's writing to Christians. You know why? Do you know why? Because Christians are? Yeah, they could be pretty stupid. You say, yeah, I've seen them. How about you? It's always everybody else. Huh? Oh, yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, really. Quit playing games. And do, quit, playing, quit rationalizing bad decisions and do the right thing. Now, repeat after me. Start to do what you ought. That was really weak. I really wanted more. Let's start again. Start to do what you ought. You didn't say it at home. Start again. Here we go. One, two, three. Start to do what you ought. Not what you want. That's right. Do what you ought. Not what you. You know, freedom. True freedom. A mature person understands. That freedom means I do what I ought, not what I want. Right? That's called responsibility, which our culture is really veering away from. By the way, one person's irresponsibility leads to somebody else's super responsibility. Somebody, you see somebody toss their in and out, you know, cardboard container bag out of the car as they're driving. Well, somebody else has to be super responsible and pick it up, Right? The more irresponsibility there is, somebody's got to be super responsible. How did I get up on that? Where am I at? Okay. Do what you ought, not what you want. Okay. Tell him I said hi. Tell him, tell him, man, you should have been here. This guy's on fire. And he wears cool shoes. But anyway, for an old guy. Okay, so do what I ought, not, not what I want. So... So, so you guys already know this. My, my son Dylan planted half church. It was like nine weeks in. And now he knows it's not so easy. And now he knows what daddy went through. Because they always thought, oh, it's easy. Look at daddy, what he did. He started it out of his house, and look what he did. It's not so easy. In fact, it's like being in hell sometimes. And if you've started a small business, you know exactly what it feels like, don't you? You wonder, why did I ever go down this road? <laughs> Until finally it pays off. Some of you went to school for 48 years. You know, you wanted to quit at times, but you didn't. Did you? Keep going. Keep going, man. I tell Dylan, I give him pep talks. I said, Dylan, here's some of the things I tell him. And I text him right before he's going to, service starts over there all the time. I go, I go, tell him. The first three to five years, because I remember, it's the worst. It's tough. I go, what God's going to do in the first three to five years is going to grow you more than he's going to grow the church. Because you have to grow and change. He did it with Moses. He did it with Elijah. Right? He did it all those years with these guys, and then finally... When they matured enough, got rid of enough dysfunction, you know, started to love people the right way, then God pff, really made it grow. You got to grow. And at times you're going to feel like quitting, because I remember. I remember. Why do I need all this response? I can go get a job someplace, and not, I can go home at 4 o'clock and not even worry about the place. 
I said, but Dylan, you can't do that. You got to do what you ought, not what you want. Because at a certain point, it's going to start to pay off. And when it starts to pay off, it's going to pay off. You're going to see more people come to Christ as years go by. You're going to see lives change. It's going to start to pay off. It's like compounding interest. How many know what compounding interest is like, right? When you first start putting away in retirement, you think, oh, it's not much money. 30 years later, it's like, whoa! All those monthly or weekly put-ins of retirement accounts, that thing's really taken off, right? All of a sudden, you got a lump sum in there, man. Same thing with anything. Do what you want, not what you want. Now. So he said, don't play games. Don't play games. Okay, I need, I need to talk to a few people in here, maybe at home. I feel like the Spirit of God told me to say this, so I'm going to say it. <clears throat> I believe very strongly in um, cycle breaking, cycle making. To break old family cycles and create new family cycles. You know what I mean? It's a big one for me. Um, I, I, I grew up, you guys know my father was an alcoholic. And for those of you who don't know, every day of my life. Oh, not every, every day. It wasn't a day he wasn't. You grow up with so many issues in your life. So much dysfunction, so much pain, so much hurt, so much insecurity. Super controlling. You don't even know how to run a relationship. I knew I was a mess by the time I was 21. I knew I had problems. I just didn't know what, what to do with it. I wasn't a Christian yet. I didn't even start dealing with it till I was 33. And I'd have been saved 10 years then. But for the last 32 years, I've been working on it real hard. And I have a lot of peace. And I don't destroy relationships. And I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. And I'm not going to try to control you anymore. And I'm going to open my heart and share with my wife what's really going on inside of me. And I will be vulnerable like that. And I'm not going to repeat old relationship patterns without growth. I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to forgive people. And I'm not going to go up and say, I forgive you for what you've done. Oh, shut up. I just forgive them in my heart. I'm going to do, do those. That's the God stuff. But it's real hard to get there. In my family, that's what I learned. That was the things I had to break. But there were some good things in my family, too, just like yours. And one of the best things, and the, you know my story, so you never heard it, I'm going to share with you. My mother. My mother, when I was in elementary school, she used to pack oranges at the Sunkiss Packing House. Anybody remember that place? My mother worked there when I was a kid. That's what she did. And then when I was 13... She decided at age 52 that she was going to go for it in the land of opportunity. And she started a business, a restaurant. And she was successful overnight. It changed the course of our family in the land of opportunity. I saw that. I watched it happen. Huh. And then as I got older, started working through my issues, then I took a leap and in a sense, in a sense, I started a business from nothing. And as years went by, I realized, yeah, God called me to this, but 
I saw someone do this. I saw my mother do this. Huh. I saw that. Wait, wait. Huh. My son Dylan's doing that. My daughter Vanessa, self-employed. Huh. My son Nathan, master's degree in mathematics, high school teacher, Riverside Poly. Huh. I saw certain things happen that made it possible in my mind we could do these things. Some of you out there, you've never seen this stuff. You've grown up in a family situation where you've never seen anyone break out. You live in your own little personal, what's called a caste system, where you stay stuck in the caste system. That's not the way God works. Remember the word redeem? Romans 3.24 says, give it to me please, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. They put that up there for you? Not yet? No, it'll get there. Jesus redeemed us. Redeem means He purchased us out of the slave market of sin and Satan and set me free to walk in a new life. Did you catch what I said? Jesus brought me out to bring me in. Listen to me, somebody, because you've never seen this. You've never seen the possibility of what could be. When the Israelites who had been in bondage, slaves for 430 years. And God delivers them through Moses. God brings them out. Did He bring them out through that Red Sea and everything just to leave them to die in the desert? No, that's, that'd be what's called deism, which is false. But that's the idea that God created everything and then just leaves you, never interacts with you. That's a false theology. God interacts with us. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them into a promised land. God always does that. And He wants to do it for you. Now what you got to watch out for is like the Israelites in the desert, they complained the whole way. They were so stuck in an old cycle of thinking for four and some years, what do they always want to do? Go back? Let me go back. Oh, it was so good back there. It was? You never had a day off in 430 years. It was brutal. But we get so locked in old thinking because we've never seen new ways of living. You need to get around people with new ways of thinking, biblical ways of thinking and living and see what's possible. So you don't walk around that you're this victim. You're only a victim to your own thinking. You serve a God who's the God of the universe and you're a victim? Are you kidding me? He controls it all. He keeps it all on course. Go out at night and look at the stars and say, my gosh, you're a big God. And He knows you and you know Him. And He brought you out, set you free, redeemed you to bring you in somewhere else. Never, ever forget that. God brought you out, my friends. Don't waste your time. Make the most of it. Redeem it. 
Look down the road. Where do you want to be in your life? Where do you want to get to? Quit playing games. Quit playing games. Begin with the end in mind. It's your funeral. What do you want them to say about you? Where did you get to? What did you accomplish? That's important. That's important. Let me add one more thing, and I don't mean to step on toes, but I do. Because I'm talking to young people right now, too. Because we followed certain patterns to get to where? My wife and I. I get to see my grandkids as much as I want. I don't have to move a thousand miles away for them, from them so I can survive. Because I paid everything off. I wasn't foolish about it. I can live wherever I want to. Because I don't have the bills. I can get in my car now. And I can go see Willa. Scotty, Lincoln, I can see them anytime I want to because they're just right down the road. And I like that. Where do you want to get to? Where do you want to be? Because I was 21 and then I blinked and now I'm 65. Young people, I hope you listen to me. I hope you break the cycle, cycle breaker, cycle maker and live a great life in God. I'm done. Let's pray. Let's pray. I pray you get to your where, but it's going to make, it's going to take a lifetime, a consistent lifetime of, of right decisions in God. You've got to tell yourself no many times. Quit playing games with God. Now, the biggest decision about getting to where is, where are you going to spend eternity? Because you're inside the time continuum right now, but that time's going to end, and there's eternity outside these parameters, and your decision in the time continuum for Jesus will get you into eternity with Jesus, but if you reject Him and don't decide for Him, it'll get you in eternity in hell. It's just that simple. And I've heard people say, well, there's no options in that. Yeah, there is. There's one or the other. Jesus went to great lengths and pain to give you a way out. To give you an eternal home. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to get your where in place eternally. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never, ever chosen to follow Him. Maybe today made sense. It just makes logical sense. He died and he rose from the dead. And there's historical evidence by eyewitnesses. He rose from the dead. He was seen by many. But you've got to put your faith in him. And you can't sit there and say, well, you know, I don't know, my friends. And the, your friends aren't going to be there on the day of judgment with you. No one's going to be holding your hand. And please don't think, well, hell's going to be a big party. You are kidding yourself. Jesus is the God of hell. Satan has no power. He's bound up. Hell is eternal. Eternal. Darkness, heat, torment, forever. And God sends no one there. People choose to go there. Yeah, you choose to go there. You don't want Jesus, you choose to go there. So don't pin it on somebody else. But Jesus makes the way out. Oh my gosh. He gave his life for you. 
Satan never did that. Jesus did. He took your punishment and mine and he opens the door to be forgiven of our sins by his blood shed and by his resurrection we can walk in new life. So you can end up where you want to in eternity. So I'm going to give you this opportunity to put your faith in Jesus some of you for the first time. That you'll walk with him for the rest of your life. Or some of you need to rededicate your life. You've gone off the rails. Your decisions are way out there. They're not biblical anymore. You're just playing games. It's time to get it right. At home, here, time to get it right. So I'm going to give you an opportunity now to make it right. I'm going to have everybody repeat this prayer. Those of you who want to put your faith in Christ for the first time or rededicate your life, you say it out loud, whether in here or over there in uh, TV land or later on this week, whenever you watch this. But say it and believe in Jesus. Here we go all together. Repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you would die for me. Thank you for loving me so much that you would shed your blood to forgive my sins. Forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. No more games. Thank you for saving me. Now friends, let me pray. God, I pray for everyone here in person watching me later on the week, two weeks from now when you watch, whenever, I pray for you. Follow Christ now. The Spirit of God lives in you. You're born again. Now begin to grow in Jesus. Read the New Testament. Get a Bible. We have them here. You know, if you don't have the connection center get them read the new testament for a couple years just stay there and learn about your savior you're a new testament believer but grow in him get to church get to fellowship start to disconnect from the cultural thinking and get a bible worldview a jesus worldview oh god i plead the blood upon them i pray the name of jesus over them that they're going to walk in you a new life. God brought you out now of sin and Satan's domain and he set you free to bring you in to what God has for you. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said? Amen Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.